Welcome to Head to Toe, stories from the history and future of healthcare. Hello and welcome to a Trending Topics episode of Head to Toe. I'm Marie McMillan. I'm a nurse, writer, podcast host, and soon-to-be new mom. This episode's show guest is Sarah Sersted, and she is really, in my opinion, an exceptional educator and speaker on the topic of all things childbirth and maternity. And I'm a registered nurse who's nine months pregnant, so this episode seems extremely timely to me. So... Here we go. This is a longer episode, but really awesome and really worth listening to if you have any interest in women's health, maternity care, and how modern society treats motherhood. So please enjoy our conversation and check out the show notes for all the links and references. All right. Welcome to Head to Toe. I'm your host, Marie McMillan, and I'm here with Sarah Surstead, a certified childbirth educator. And my husband and I just finished her six-week birth class. Uh, Listeners, you may have picked up on the fact that I'm pregnant, now 36 weeks pregnant, about a month left to go. And Sarah was so good, so engaging, and so full of passion and energy, and full of real talk in class, I had to have her on the show. So thank you, Sarah, for a great class, and thank you for being on my Nerdy Healthcare Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. It's exciting to be able to chat about birth. It's like my favorite thing. I'm glad it's your favorite thing, because I need to go through it very soon. (laughs) It's going to happen so fast. It'll be here before you know it. Although that last month of pregnancy, we joke, is actually like a thousand days. <laughs> yeah. The last three hours of my life, I felt like a thousand Oh, days. yeah. It'll get that way for, for a little bit. And then it flies by at like warp speed. It's a little nuts. That's good. This is the first time I've done this, guys. This is my first pregnancy. Sarah's done it twice. Now she like teaches people how to do it and birth and be parents and stuff. And anyway, it's good stuff. Very excited about the things we're going to talk about. All right. So let's start by um, just a quick little introduction to you, a little bit about who you are, what your background in education is, and kind what you do now. Cool. So I have degrees in biology, minors in chemistry and education. Um, and then I did my master's in teaching all at Southern Oregon down in Ashland, which is like my heart to love that place. And then found myself kind of teaching at a community college, teaching anatomy and physiology for a while, which was an adventure in and of itself. And then settled in at a cadaver lab at the university teaching AMP and doing some microbiology lab stuff. And then found myself six months pregnant and needing to move to Portland because my husband had moved for his job with the recession. And so, yeah, it was 2013. We moved up here with a really big belly and settled in and found myself kind of wondering if I would return to community college. Really, my heart is in adult education and learning environments that way. And so I was really wondering what it would look like here. It's a much different environment up here than it was down in Southern Oregon. And so wasn't sure kind of what that would feel like for our family. And then we took a birthing class for four weeks. And I remember sitting being like, this information is super valid, but this person doesn't know how to teach adults and just was like adult learning principles would like really make this experience so much better. And so I found myself kind of exploring what it would take to get certified and what that would look like. Put that on hold to have a baby. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, then became six months later, we were still like, oh, yeah, we what does this look like? And there was a training in Portland. And so I signed up and took the training and then did the online process for the rest of the certification and the in-person hours and got certified and kind of started my own business working in that way, just slow because we had, you know, a seven month old at that point. And so it sort of just like walked along for a little while and did that and then found myself interviewing for a hospital job after we had our second. So she was probably two and did that and have been working in that environment now for almost two years. 
Wow. Yeah. I love that evolution story. You just seem so happy doing what you do and you're super passionate about it. I Uh, don't think in my wildest dreams, it's what I thought I was going to be doing. But then like from doing it and working in my business, I then was like, I want to be more hands-on with women. So I then became certified as a doula and then explored kind of what full spectrum doulas do and looking at that. And so really dove into like, how could I help families experiencing really traumatic experiences with his you know, loss and that kind of idea. Mm-hmm. And that's really where I then was like, okay, this is also what I'm going to do. And so finished um, a certification with the Still Birthday organization um, and did that and just really feel like I have those tools in my toolbox to be able to help families to the extent that they would need me to be able to help them. So like from conception where we're, what does that look like for women? Cause it's way different than it used to be. And we all arrive there in a very different way now. Totally. And then what does that look like for outcomes? Cause outcomes are so varied now. Mm-hmm. And so just being able to kind of come at that from a place that's rooted in science and rooted in evidence-based information, I just think is super important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well said. I think that's important. What you talked about, how like the way we arrive at conception is so different in a like in a generational sort of standpoint. And, you know, I'm 32 and coming to the the process of having a child was very purposeful and planned. And thank God for that, that, you know, I didn't have to like do that, you know, 16 years ago or it was just not my choice or for whatever reason. It's just it has changed the landscape, I think. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. just the, the freedom that we have to be able to create families the way that we can nowadays Mm -hmm. and to have such diversity in in family status and in what you can achieve with your family and how you can arrive there. I was joking class. Some of you got here in a really traditional way and some of you got here in a really expensive way. And some of you got here in a way that included a loss or more before this. And I think it's just really valuable to hold space for all of those options Mm -hmm. because it is so different. Mm -hmm. We would like to have a third, maybe someday we're crazy and we think about it, but then I'm also like, I'll be 35. And now I'm like, you know, advanced maternal age, which is just this horrible term. Like we used to, I think, call it geriatric Geriatric pregnancy. pregnancy. And it used to just make me be like, oh gosh, but it is, it's that very real reality that like, at 35, what does fertility look like? Because mm-hmm. it's so different. And it's just not really a conversation we have, I think, in a meaningful way, especially in healthcare. We don't. Mm-hmm. It's like, here are all the things that we can do for you to n- make you not have a baby mm-hmm. until you want to have one. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, here are the really expensive ways we can get you to have a baby. Right. It's but this there weird is switch. so much middle ground in between mm-hmm. there that we're just not sharing with women and we're kind of just shirking the responsibility of what that looks like in in honest terms mm-hmm. and i think it's just doing us all kind of a disservice that's where you come in yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, you, so you run classes you educate adults on all those things you talked about so you, and you're also a doula yeah. um, for those people out there who don't know what a doula is let's put it in basic terms and i think there's a lot of misconceptions about what a doula is a doula is just a continuous labor support person like by definition that's what they are portland is like a doula capital Heaven, right like, yeah. you could what did you say in you class can, you could throw like can, a baseball yeah, in any just, direction and it hit a doula absolutely and any flavor of one that you want there's one for kind of every sort of birth that you want to have, mm-hmm. you know, varying price ranges. Mm-hmm. And I think for a long time, it was this crunchy granola, like they're depicted in movies. 
in just like a really hilarious way. And so our childbirth educators are always presented in media as like this very crunchy, hippie, kind of like, here's how we feel and it has to be natural. And that's just not the reality of Mm -hmm. the profession. It really Mm -hmm. isn't. And we try to be kind of more of a conduit between healthcare providers and patients Mm -hmm. and what that looks like. And I mean, we're non-medical. We don't do that. Like I'm not a midwife. I don't do medical care in any way, shape, or form. I'm there strictly as a continuous labor support person, whether that be for you or your partner or some combination thereof. Mm-hmm. That's our role and goal is to like get you through that experience in the most empowered way. Yeah. Go find a doula, guys, if you're uh, interested. Yeah. And there's doulamatch.net. That's the place. Doulamatch.net if you're interested. And it sounds like in insurance companies are sort of starting to get a little bit more on board yeah. rather than it just being this. Oh, yeah. There's been a lot of yeah. traction, especially in Oregon and especially with kind of the collectives of doulas in Oregon to really make that accessible for people. So it is less of like a privilege and it is mm-hmm. more of an accessible piece of healthcare. For sure. For yeah. sure. So I, you know, I took lots of notes in class. Again, being a new parent causes a slight amount of anxiety. So <laughs> Only a little bit, right? <laughs> just very slight. I wrote down lots of things, but I, I wrote down some things thinking, I mean, like, you know, the first day I wrote down, I was like, email Sarah, get her on podcast. <laughs> my husband like looks over, like rolls his eyes. I was like, oh my God, you know. But anyway, so I, I wrote some things down that I think would be great um, just to sort of pick up things that I took away from class that I think listeners would benefit from. And I think it was really awesome of you that first week to really say, I have no agenda in your birth as an educator. Um, because like you said, in movies and stuff, like, you know, the child birth scene is like especially here in the northwest you like is granola to an extent and like the way they're depicted and you're like when you become pregnant and you go through this whole process everyone tells you so many things everybody has an opinion on what you should do yes like you're suddenly getting direction like you were in kindergarten from strangers at the grocery store everyone has an opinion about what you should do lady i'm just here for the frozen pizza exactly get out of my way (laughs) exactly yeah so i just gotta say as a new parent and a mom to be really appreciated that up front to say like i you didn't have an agenda in your birth experience you're like i'm here to provide the information in a judgmental kind of way i think it's super important i'm always torn about sharing like my personal birth experiences in class too because i don't ever want people to be like her bias of her experience i mean i just think that real talk element is really important but yeah i mean i always jokingly tell families and have serious if you want to go to the woods and hold on to a branch and have your baby i'm going to cheer you on from whatever distance you want me to be at and if you want to come to the hospital and you want x y and z like let's do it wherever you want to be in between at the end of the day, did you feel confident in your experience? Did you feel like you knew all the information that you should have? And at the end of it, how happy were you with your birth experience? Because that's really outcome wise when it comes to like maternal mental health, a positive birth experience is a huge contributor to likelihood and risk for developing, you know, postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression. And so those things I think are just really important for parents to always know you're coming into this super safe environment that's open for communication. And I just want you to be informed. Sarah's a very cool person. (laughs) Um, Let's move on to dear new moms, stay away from the internet. Oh my God. I wish that everyone would turn off their Wi-Fi when they're pregnant. I just wish. You can. It's so Get yourself a flip phone while you're pregnant. Get some (laughs) dial-up internet. Like It is the worst. The internet is the most horrible place for new parents, especially for new parents 
really bad for pregnant persons. Mm -hmm. Just really horrible. And it's because you can get anything you want on the internet, right? It's like this all-you-can-eat buffet of misinformation. And that's what's really scary. And there was, so there's like a research coalition, Childbirth Connection does this study called Listening to Mothers. It's like a survey that they do. And in their most recent survey, they found that like more, like a combined 70% or more of parents are getting all their information from the internet and television. And like less than 56% of new families are taking a childbirth education class. And it's so startling. And, and we're seeing it reflected. We're losing programs. We're losing classes. And it's heartbreaking for us, not only as educators in a profession, but it's heartbreaking for us for families because we know they're getting misinformation. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing really negative outcomes because of it. And we really just are like, stay away from the internet. I just wish new moms because it's so much anxiety. Mm-hmm. You don't need to Google episiotomies all day. Like that's horrible no, for your mental do health. Do not do that. <laughs> I did not do that. It's horrible for your mental health. It's just the worst. It's yeah, so it's bad. so hard because it's so easy. That's the world we live talking about misinformation and anything medical, like hashtag vaccines. Like, like let's not go there. Absolutely. But, but just a, oh, example yeah. B. But yeah, and it's just it's hard because it is so easy just to go to that. And I think the the, the problem with it is that people do seek community and, yeah. in a way that, um, you know, like new moms, like, you know, if they don't have a lot of new moms, they yeah. get right to those groups. And like, what did, what did you do? Which, yeah. And that's a, I think that's a positive thing for the internet. There are positive things like that. There are some elements people. of some good connection that mm-hmm. exists, but especially like we always, I teach newborn ed now too for that hospital system. And we're constantly like, please come to a local baby and me group instead of going to your local mom's Facebook page, because it is filled with hashtag. I don't believe in vaccines or mm-hmm. hashtag the rock and play will kill you. Like mm-hmm. there's just all of these pieces mm-hmm. that are constant and it just creates strife and it's mm-hmm actual connection, real live in-person connection Mm -hmm. is so valuable in like the new season of parenting. I can't even begin to like, those people now are like my people. We moved to an area and had no family. And right, you're like, when's the village going to show up? Like, freaking save me. I have two babies. Where's my village already? Where are you? And they do, they show up and you find them in mom's groups in person. Mm -hmm. These are people that bring you casserole for like five months after you have a baby. And you're like, Thank you, because I needed it today. <laughs> like, I needed your freaking casserole. <laughs> You're crying at the door. Absolutely. Like, with, like, oh, almost absolutely. no shirt on. Like, oh, 100%. It's like the FedEx guy saw my breast eight times today. Like, <laughs> the dogs won't stop barking. Yeah. Thank you, because we were going to eat cereal again for dinner. Like, thank you for bringing actual food. It's hard. Yeah, new parenting is hard. And like you said, and I think a, a statistic you took away is that um, like even just taking a childbirth class or a newborn class or any sort of in-person class where you get evidence-based research informed oh, yeah. education is going to decrease your risks later on. And, yeah. and that's sad Like you said that some of those classes are going away. So hopefully hopefully, insurance companies and reimbursement programs or whatever will kind of look at that and, and incentivize yeah. that. Yeah, it's our biggest hope too that providers are referring out from that because we know they have less space time with patients. We know the state of healthcare is is so much more of like a hurried environment mm-hmm. that there is less one-on-one time with patient interaction and for education mm-hmm. in that truest sense. And so being able to say, you know, here's a great class that you can go to. And we want providers to feel confident mm-hmm. in referring and knowing that they're not 
being sent to like a hippie yoga retreat. Like they're being sent to something that's super informative. It, it lacks bias and it's mm-hmm. really collaborative in that mm-hmm. we're a healthcare provider's cheerleader. Like we're there to cheer on that process and to mm-hmm. facilitate that relationship. Yeah. And I think physicians and healthcare providers need that. Like the OB who has, you know, three C-sections a day has to see 15 patients in the office and each patient gets 12 minutes yeah. apiece and they have to do their charting and ch- check off all these things. And it's like, instead of just handing them the textbook, they're like, this is the book that I approve, you know, to say, have you gone to class? Have you gone to these things? So, yeah. yeah all these, all these things together. It's make, a big make it change. Work. And we know, and research supports it, that just attending a childbirth education class decreases your overall risk of C-section and increases positive birth outcomes. And I think in that in and of itself for new parents, especially new moms, it's like, okay, I'm doing, I'm doing a thing and I'm being successful. It. <laughs> and I think we need that up. moment of like, I showed up and I therefore didn't, you know, fail. Mm-hmm. Moving on to how awesome women are. Vaginas are slinkies. Yes, Let's they talk are. about how the husband stitch is not a thing. It's not a thing. It, oh, God. And it should have never been a thing. It goes back, ladies, gentlemen. It all goes back. Families. Like, it goes back. And I mean, I like to tell parents and newborn ed, like, the sex gets better. Like, you get to – you are so much more intimate with your partner. And we joke in class. We have, like, right, the super awkward middle school sex conversation where I'm telling you that, like – we send women home from the hospital with the assumption that they aren't going to want to have sex. But the reality is like, you're going to look at your partner and stars and hearts are going to shoot out of your eyes when you mm-hmm. see them caring for your child or you see them like wearing your baby and doing the dishes and you're going to want to do all of those things and have that level of not only like heightened emotional intimacy, but physical intimacy, but it's scary. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie to you. Like it's super scary, but we're just not, I think we're just not talking to families about it because we're assuming they're not going to want to do it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women don't, but I think with, with the education and knowing that like it can still be this very enjoyable experience and everything's gonna go back internally, like <laughs> the way that you would imagine that it will. Yeah. I think it's a really important factor. It's just so much like mythology around like what your body's going to do and bouncing back. Like, what am I bouncing back from? Exactly. <laughs> I didn't go anywhere. I just had a baby. That's all. <laughs> Slightly different. <laughs> and that's like a good segue into like this, this one that has really s- stuck with me, this um, phrase of like, your body is meant to birth the baby you create. Yeah. And that, and it's something that my husband reminds me of too. And I hope partners out there, you remind your pregnant person of this is that women have been doing this for millennia. Forever. That it's, it's genetic. It's like, it's in your process. And like, you know, for, for the advanced, you know, modern age we're in, we think everything is intellectual and everything is from yeah. brain down. But this, it's, it's, it's hard to remind myself sometimes that this is like, this is a little bit out of my hands and that like, I'm just doing all the things I'm supposed to. And my body's really going to take Absolutely. care of the rest of it. Yeah. And I just really liked, what you had to say that you're meant to birth a baby. Your body knows how to have your baby. It does. And we have to trust that our bodies know how to have our babies. Like, Mm -hmm. cause they do, they a hundred percent know your body is, is doing it right now while you're pregnant. And as you're getting bigger, which right feels endless every day, Mm -hmm. but it's that element of like, you have all of those necessary things within you to be able to birth your baby and barring like a medical complication or some sort of emergent situation, your unique experience will be yours, but it's going to be what your body knows how to do and is ingrained to do. And I, I mean, it's like where I get hippie in birth is that like, 
Uh, right. Our eggs are our grandmother's eggs. Like that's the right? blows my this, mind. like wildness when we think about it. But it's this innate like our brains change when we have babies like our their DNA courses through our blood afterwards. And mm-hmm. like it's this crazy metaphysical thing to think about. But you have this unique ability to like own your experience. And it never gets more than that than when you're like birthing your baby because you're like in your power right in that moment. And I just think it's so cool that our bodies can do it it's just a really really cool process it's wild i'm gonna try to remember that i'm gonna like listen to this while i'm in labor (laughs) go back and i'm always telling families in class too like you don't have to watch other people have a baby for you to have your own baby because i feel like again the internet so horrible but you do have women who are like i watched 800 births on youtube i'm sure i can have a baby and i'm like even if you watched none videos on youtube you can, you can have, have a baby. A baby. <laughs> it's going to be okay. <laughs> it is going to be okay. Speaking of alternate methods of birthing a baby, yeah. the C-section rate in the U.S., what did you say? One out of three women. One in three women. Yeah. Like 33%. I told my mom that and she was like floored. Yeah. It's crazy. So back in like the 1970s, it was like still less than 20%. I think it was like hovering around 15, which is what the World Health Organization says is like safest for babies and safest for moms. And so what we see with like an ever increasing C-section rate is not so awesome maternal outcomes, less than amazing infant outcomes. And and I think it's an issue that's being explored all over the birth world right now. It's obviously like what's on everybody's mind in the obstetrical community. It's mm-hmm. it's a big issue in, in women's healthcare. Um, and I think there's a lot of things to unravel and people have been trying to unravel it and try to figure out why. And it's, it's a really, I think it's concerning. I think it's on the forefront of a lot of women's minds. It's, it's a part factor of why we know women don't take childbirth education classes because they're like, well, if I have a C-section, what do I need to know about he, he, who, who breathing, which isn't even a thing we do anymore. Like Mm -hmm. it's something though that is causing people to really shift their mindset about birth. And I think it's not for a positive reason. Mm -hmm. And I think we, you had mentioned like perhaps the Hollywood effect has, or the scheduled C-section of like, this is when I'm having my baby. And like, you know, like we said, the modern world we live in and the the checklists and the internet and your schedules and like, like this is the day I'm having the baby. And then like just outsourcing the rest of it. I think there was some appeal to that, especially in the early 2000s, right? And, you know, wanting your baby to be like a Gemini is not a medical reason for you to have a (laughs) C-section. Like your OB being on things giving vacation is not a medical reason for you to have a C-section, but there are legitimate medical reasons for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the time that we've seen a rise in C-sections, it's not like women's pelvises are getting smaller. It's not like we're having some weird evolutionary reversal. That's mm-hmm. not what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's a lot of things I think to untangle mm-hmm. there, but hopefully one thing we're taking out of it is the fear. Mm-hmm. And, and we're taking out of it this idea that it's birth in and of itself is scary because it shouldn't be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It becomes scarier when we start throwing other things into it and we start kind of not taking into consideration legitimate risk factors. And C-sections are major abdominal surgery. Like C-section mamas are tough mamas. Like that is a really, that's a challenge. And that birth experience is still wildly valid Mm -hmm. and still has so much experience behind it. And I think, right, we enter that mommy wars world that's just really dangerous about how Mm -hmm. did you have your, nobody cares. I care how you're doing after you had your baby. I care how you're doing your mental health after that experience, but how you had it, if it came through the sunroof or it came out the other way, like I really am just worried about you. And and I think we lose that a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
because fast forward a year later, every you know, you're a room full of moms. Yeah. Everyone has a one year old. So yeah. the here you all are. Exactly. Like let's not I think that's a huge thing, like the the mom judgment for sure. I'm just like just now starting to enter this zero depth pool. Yeah. There's <laughs> just so much. It's like, did you have an epidural? I don't know. Do I want to share that with you? What are you gonna tell me if I had an epidural? Right. Did you breastfeed? I don't know. What are you gonna tell me? And and instead of legitimately having conversations about the research that exists behind those choices and why those choices you know, have the information that supports them the way that they do, it instead becomes the like, well, this is why and mm-hmm. this is how. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's just, it's not doing anybody any good. <laughs> for the sure. Problem. <laughs> for sure. Mom's got to support one another. Absolutely. And, you yeah. Know, we all did. You all did this. We all birthed a baby somehow. Exactly. And, um, that doesn't any make you any less of a parent for Absolutely. however. Absolutely. The way you do it. Okay, so the main reason I do this nerdy ass podcast is for uh, <laughs> the storytelling part of it. Oh yeah, yeah. I wrote down another quote from class saying, "We don't hear the positive stories." Yeah. What are the stories that stick with you from your career, like birth stories that affected you in a positive or a negative way that you think of when you question why you do what you do? Stories you tell to other people, like in class for instruction or inspiration. Yeah. I mean, always like the stories that are these positive outcomes, right, are the ones we don't always hear. Everybody wants to tell you about their 48-hour birth. That was heinous, right? That's everybody wants to tell you that story. People who have like this very precipitous birth that is just smooth and easy are like afraid to talk about it. Like somehow they didn't earn their badge in the same way that somebody else did. But those stories that I think stick with me the most are just especially the people that I know just in my own life who have had babies and who have experienced, you know, monumental losses during those times. But then try again and keep trying again after subsequent losses. And those people just have my heart because I can't fathom and just knowing to hold space for them in that time and allowing them to grieve and acknowledging that beautiful life that they created and lost like in a way that, you know, no parent ever wants to at whatever stage, I think is holds so much value for me. And I take those into every birth because every birth is this super amazing miracle. I don't know that I will ever stop seeing them and be like, ah, I watched somebody had a baby. No big deal. I think I still come home and I'm like, oh my gosh, I saw a baby being born. It's just this amazing miracle piece. But there's definitely been a few of like, definitely a mom who had like a 36 hour labor, no epidural. She just was like, this is what I'm going to do. And you know, the rest of us in our minds were like, oh my God, this thing is like a ma-. And she's just amazing. And she trudged through it and had this amazingly beautiful experience. And taking those, I think are just so important where it is. It's that fulfillment of like, her body did its thing. hundred percent. The rest of us were like, oh my gosh. You're amazing. <laughs> but it, she trusted her body and she trusted her baby. And they had this beautiful connection that happened in this just amazing birth that, you know, probably isn't for everybody. That's not everybody's choice, but it was 100% what she wanted. And she was so empowered in that experience. And it was so cool to be able to just like even be a fly on the wall for it. Mm-hmm. It was really fun. Hey, listeners, we're going to take a quick break for a word from this episode's sponsor, the Aegis Neonatal Wrap by Saplicor. Okay, those of you listening who work in the maternal fetal medicine world know the benefits of skin-to-skin contact right after birth. For those of you that don't know, here's a quick rundown. Skin-to-skin contact, which involves placing a newborn on the chest of the mother or other parent immediately following birth, has clinically proven physiological benefits for both mom and baby, including thermoregulation, because babies can't control their own temperature right away, bonding, a good microbial environment for the baby, as in good bacteria for a good immune system, the list goes on. 
So once upon a time, an interior designer turned surgical tech by the name of Mary Chiesa saw an opportunity to help new moms achieve this special moment postpartum in as safe a manner as possible. After witnessing a baby fall in the operating room right after a birth, she helped create the Aegis Wrap, an antimicrobial fabric wrap that positions your newborn, as recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics, for safe skin-to-skin bonding while reducing the risk of accidental infant falls. Mary helped found her company Saplicor, and she sent me a complimentary Aegis Wrap. I'm super excited to try it out with my baby as soon as he arrives, and you should check out their website. They have great photos with new moms bonding with their babies, and big bonus, you can be hands-free. The baby's like on your chest with the wrap around you, and you can do things with your hands like eat. <laughs> or text your spouse, you know, all the things. Head to saplicor.com to learn more and purchase an Aegis Wrap. And because you are dedicated head-to-toe listeners, you get a 35% off discount code courtesy of Saplicor. And that code is, in all capital letters, HEADTOTOE35, H-E-A-D-T-O-T-O-E-35. Again, that's for 35% off your checkout for a limited time only. You get one chance to welcome your baby into the world. Welcome them with an Aegis. Okay, back to the show. It's it's kind of a weird intersection of medicine where I think every story is kind of different. I mean, like, not everyone's cardiac surgery post-surgical story is necessarily super different. I mean, like, yeah, they're all different, but not in, like, that kind of way. There's, like, an element of routine, right? You want your surgeon to do steps A through whatever. To We want to know it's methodical. Mm -hmm. And there's some elements of birth that are, but really it's this wildly individualized, unique experience that Mm -hmm. every person's body is going to do in its own way. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's super cool that Mm -hmm. there's that that exists still, right? We live Mm -hmm. in this crazy technologically medicalized world and yet here's women doing the same thing they've been doing since we lived in caves Mm -hmm. and they're doing it the same way that's it's it's rad and it's different across the world absolutely yeah is there do you have day i'm sure you have days where you're like everyone does you know where you kind of leave work for home you're like i don't know if i can continue to keep doing this yeah there are definitely some moments where that are heavy and i think just coming home and like i'm blessed that i have healthy children my oldest daughter was born with a heart murmur which is pretty common and you know scares you immensely when you find out and then she outgrew it her last cardiology appointment was like the all clear and i and i think i just feel i come home and i hug my babies a little tighter and reminisce on like that being my experience and still just holding that space in my heart for those people who maybe have a less than amazing outcome mm-hmm. and they carry you carry it with you all the time there's mm-hmm. not a moment where you like ever like oh yeah you know you think about it you call those mamas like on their baby's birthday and mm-hmm. you know hope they are having a happy birthday wherever you believe they are right mm-hmm. now yeah that's nice that you stay in touch with those couples and families that do experience the, that neonatal loss. When you talk about your work with them, how is that different from like your classwork or your doula work? Yeah, um, it's just a lot more intensive in that we meet and it's really much more open to them and what they want. We kind of really leave that space open for what level of involvement do you want me to have in that? Hospitals have a really amazing protocol for parents experiencing loss and those events touch all medical personnel in those there's there's not a nurse or an OB that exists that, you know, is like, I was unfazed by that experience. Those are just things that phase us like deeply in that time. But really, you know, how 
visiting them in the postpartum is immensely important and having that follow-up time of like, do you want to pump milk? Do you not want to pump milk? How are we looking at like generalized healthcare after that time? Cause you're still recovering from birthing a baby. You just think it to bring yours home yeah. and there's heartbreak in that a lot. So it's like, are we going to your house before you come home to the hospital and taking things out of the nursery? Or are we leaving the nursery intact and donating diapers? Or are we helping you set up to donate to pump? Are we, you know, talking to the milk bank and talking about that piece? And so really just connecting them to resources, I feel like is my major role is just facilitating the resource management. So it's not like, oh, I ran into a brick wall and that made me sad, or this was a dead end. And now I feel overwhelmed. So just wanting to avoid those things and facilitate that process, I think is, is what I take on as my major role because I, you know, I can only provide an extent of comfort to which people are comfortable and I feel able to facilitate resource like pieces is my wheelhouse. And so if that brings people comfort, I feel so much more value in that. And how do you get connected with people who experience that loss? Is that, are those current clients of yours that you just, you were their doula and that happened to happen and then you morph into this other role? Yeah. Sometimes that has happened. Sometimes it's, it's happening at a hospital and nurses I've connected with since working at the hospital are like, we're going to call you, um, kind of thing, uh, helps out. Sometimes it's just people, there's a network that, um, families and healthcare providers can log into that can find local resources for parents experiencing loss. And um, we kind of have like a directory on that. And so that is typically kind of where it most happens is people looking for that and availability. That's very special needed work for sure. What is your advice for healthcare professionals listening interested in forging a career as like a doula, birth coach, labor and delivery professional? Because like you said, the lows of that work has got to be so low and the highs have got to be so high. And to sustain that over a year's, decades experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the doulas that do this work and the educators that do this work that love it, do it for like ever. We have a childbirth educator at the hospital who I just think is like amazing. And I have taken, she's like, Oh, mentor extraordinaire. She's been doing this work for, you know, more than 20 years. And she has morphed that work into like, I'm going to make new parents feel amazing. And that's her jam. And she's so good at it. But I really think for healthcare professionals and providers looking at take a course, see what that looks like, see what it is we present. Cause I think there's a lot of misinformation about what we're actually doing and what we're telling families versus what healthcare providers want us to be telling families. And even if you can't take a course, Find out if your hospital has childbirth educators. Go sit and talk with one and be like, what are you telling patients? Here's what I want you to tell patients. (laughs) Here's what we should be telling them collectively. So they're hearing the message at every step along the path, I think is just super important. That continuity of care, looking at it as a collaborative effort, as opposed to like, I'm doing anything in antagonistic ways against you. Not at all. Like we're on your team hundred percent and we mm-hmm. want to be on your patient's team hundred percent. We want to, we're a coach on the sideline. We want to cheer everybody on. And I think that's a really huge piece of it is seeing that it's an opportunity for facilitation of patient provider interaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just get involved and, and find yeah, someone there's out there. lots of great, um, there's a bunch of different networks, ICEA, Lamas, Kappa, all have really great evidence-based courses um, and instructors, you know, certified instructors, I think is a really important piece is making sure you find a certified instructor and make sure you find a certified doula. I think is there's, there's a continuity of education that I think is really important. And especially when it comes to adult education coming from the community college and, and university kind of education level, adult learning 
outcomes and adult learning, like adjectives and all of those pieces are so important. You Mm -hmm. have to know how to reach your audience Mm -hmm. and not everybody can do that. It's, it's so true. I'm first of all, you are spectacular. Oh, thanks. (laughs) You you are, you are. So I've been a nurse 10 years and it's like, not just like the school, you have to go through the four years to get your BSN and stuff, you know, and teaching College kids is maybe slightly different than teaching adults, but all the things you have to do continuing ed through the years, like I have to do like so many hours every year to like keep all of my certifications up. And I just did CPR the other day. And like, I remember CPR and ACLS like eight years ago was like terrible. Like just the videos and all that stuff. They've gotten a lot better. This is not to, (laughs) this is not to hate on the AHA. You guys are great. Still call me. I want you on the show. But, um, but yeah, it's just that that in-person piece is so important and, and some people have it and some people don't. And like you said, knowing your audience. Yeah, those adult learning objectives, just across the board, adults learn in a different way. Like your brain capacity is different than your everyday, you know, middle schooler, like Mm -hmm. for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. And to ask someone to sit down for eight hours in a class as an adult and be dry and present information in a way that you're like, engage, be present. But they can't because they're (laughs) like, I'm going to be in a coma. Like, I just can't do it. It's hard. That's a really... Yeah, we we aim for a balance. I'm always aiming for a balance. I've definitely had people leave that are like, you should just have a comedy show. And I'm like, ah, oh, maybe we went too much. <laughs> there were moments. We went over too much. We swung balance. We swung too far in one direction. But. I liked the stories that you used in class because like, you know, that's how I learn is like learning through other people's experiences yeah. and, you know, your experiences as a mom. But you also like drew from your um, your experience talking about, you know, I helped this mom through this 36 hour labor yeah. or other things like that. And, you know, and just the non judgmental piece was supposed so adults look too. for that connection that's yeah. just how we learn is how mm-hmm. does this connect to my life or how does this connect to my heart mm-hmm. and right anecdotally is how we do it mm-hmm. and that's as a nurse you know those things right mm-hmm. how do I connect with this patient I'm going to ask right. about their kids I'm going to ask about their garden in the summer I'm going to mm-hmm. try to do those and finding that point of connection I think is just super important it's huge it's huge because all health I don't care who you are if you're a healthcare provider in any sense you have to do teaching at some point oh yeah so that's that's huge huge piece there. Yeah. Let's talk about matriescence. Oh, I love matriescence. It's, it's a word favorite. that I didn't know before. Oh, I wish more people knew it. It's amazing. Um, I mean, I wish I was the cool person who made this up, but I wasn't. <laughs> um, it was a term like coined uh, in like 1973 by Dana Raphael. And it, it came from like more like a psychotherapy piece of like the transition into motherhood. Like by definition, matriescence is the transition into motherhood, right? So you have adolescence, that transition right into adulthood. And that's really kind of those two big pieces that we think about. And then people did some research on matriescence and what that looks like. And it all kind of was still in a very like non-anatomical kind of idea. It was just the changes that happen in motherhood. And it got some traction. There was a TED talk on it not too long ago, which is super cool TED talk. If anybody wants to listen to it, it's amazing. Um, But then a brain study like was done in 2016 and it was, the study was published in Scientific American. It is amazing. Like they can look at a woman's brain and tell who was pregnant and who wasn't because of the gray matter changes that happen. And it's a loss of gray matter. So my friend's brain, (laughs) like mom brain is a thing. It's real. You're not going crazy. It's an actual thing, but it is, it's this mass presence of progesterone and estrogen causes this loss of gray matter, but in very specific locations that make us more aware of the needs of another human being. And so our brain is literally reorganizing itself to dump things that are like, you don't need that because you need to worry about the needs of someone else. And it's so cool to think that our brains do this. It has evolutionary biologists super jacked up about 
what that means. They want to do more studies on it, but it's this very exciting look into like what's actually happening anatomically. But if we're really going to talk about it, it's like, it's a full change. I mean, you can think about puberty and what that was like. We all remember, right? That awkwardness. We want to forget it, but we remember it. There are podcasts out there on that specific topic. (laughs) Yes. Right. But when we get into talking about matriescence, it's like this, I always joke that motherhood is a secret conspiracy, right? Because here we are telling moms, here's this thing that we're going to do. And here's how it's going to be. And it's always magical, right? It's always unicorns and it's always rainbows. And you're not supposed to talk about how you're probably going to be angrier than you've ever been in your life. And you're not going to know why. You're going to be more frustrated than you've ever been in your whole life. But you're also going to love something more than you've ever loved something in your whole life. And it's going to scare you. You're going to be like, how is that possible? And at every step of the way, you're like, am I doing it right? Right? And there's a thousand people telling you you're not. And there's a thousand people telling you, you are, but you could do this better. And it's this crazy change in your body. Your body changes, right? Your feet grow bigger. Your hips get wider. Those things don't go back to normal. (laughs) Like all of a sudden I have Shaquille O'Neal feet. Like what's going on? (laughs) I'm wearing a smaller pant, but not in the hip. Like what's going on? And there's all of these choices that we're now making, but those changes that fundamentally happen to our bodies, they're also fundamentally happening to our brains. And it's this trajectory now of our life that is different. And we don't see the changes in male partners. We don't see the changes in women who haven't had children. It's really like a fundamental manifestation of pregnancy. It's this like remnant that stays behind that your brain is like irreparably changed, which I think is this super cool. It's sort of weird, but it's Mm -hmm. super cool. But that transition into motherhood and what it looks like and how we are losing some of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? Because a lot of people, it's a huge identity shift. I went from, I never didn't have a job. Like from the time I was 14, I always had a job. And then I was staying at home. I mean, we're so, I'm thankful that my husband has a job that can facilitate that for us. But childcare for us was prohibitively expensive. It wouldn't have worked for us to put a child in childcare, let alone two in rapid succession. Mm -hmm. So that transition for me looked like a loss of work identity. It looked like a loss of what do I do with my life now is... Do I wipe butts all day? Is that what I do? And it is. I wipe butts (laughs) and I clean stuff. Like that's what I do. But in that same thing Mm -hmm. is this growth and facilitation of like a new human, Mm -hmm. which is wild to wrap my head around. But it is. It's this transition. And it is. It's a super secret conspiracy. We don't tell women about postpartum. I mean, I see in classes, families' eyes get so big when I talk about postpartum recovery and what that Mm -hmm. looks like because no one's talking about it. People aren't telling you that you're going to need stool softeners and that, you know, you need a sits bath and you might want to sit on a donut and like you need all of these things at home. And and they're like, what do you mean? I have no people who have had a baby. Nobody's ever told me that. I'm like, yeah, they're not going to. <laughs> like, not exactly just, widely published. Exactly. Nobody's right. It's the miracle of birth. It's beautiful. Nobody's telling you afterwards that you're going to have freaking night sweats. Like nobody's <laughs> telling you. And it is. It's the secret like conspiracy of the transition of what that will look like. And in our country, we just do a horrible job of ushering it in. Everywhere else in the world, it feels like does such a better job of acknowledging that you've transitioned into a completely new human being, like mm-hmm. completely new human being. And you have a whole new human being to get to know. And you made it. How crazy is that? <laughs> it's blowing my mind. 
It is blowing my <laughs> mind. People like, it's funny that some of the younger nurses I work with who don't have kids, never been pregnant. And they're just like, what is it like? And I'm like, right. <laughs> it is so weird, man. It is so weird. It's super weird to feel someone else inside, inside your body. of your body yeah and then it's weird in the postpartum because you'll be like is did you leave one in there like <laughs> everything sort of shifts around and shifts back you're gonna be like can you check again i need to make sure because i feel something kicking <laughs> it's super weird it is it's like phantom kicks and you miss your belly like you find yourself being like Where'd it go? What happened? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I've like everyone's postpartum experience, I'm sure, is just as different as their birth. Oh, experience. absolutely. And I was joking with my husband the other day that um, it, it's like the inside of my uterus is going to be like the green room from like SNL or people are going to, is he going to like sign his name on the wall before he comes out? It leaves a little bit behind. It does. The yeah. DNA is there in yeah. our bloodstream like forever. Which is weird. It yeah. settles all up in our brain, which is crazy to think mm-hmm. about. The gray matter loss, and then the gray goes into your hair, I think. Uh, yeah, no no doubt. Happens. It's happening in yeah. my life. I definitely look in the mirror, and I'm like, oh, where'd those come yeah. from? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, and I could do a whole different episode about millennials and what childcare financial. Oh, it is, is it's just, just. Our country is wildly behind the eight ball. It's unreal. No matter how you feel about it, you should feel like, hey, a new family deserves support. Like that's that should be the baseline level. And we're just not giving it. Mm-hmm. And we don't live like near our parents anymore. And mm-hmm. we don't, we don't have, have the, the traditional village. We don't you have the about. traditional village, yeah. right? Your aunties and grandmas and sisters around. We don't have that. And it's just families are suffering because of it. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it hurts my heart. Mm-hmm. I guess that's as far as like your advice to, I mean, you have a lot of advice. I sat through six weeks of advice. <laughs> so much. It was so much, which is great. It's, it just circles back to how important it is to go find a good evidence-based class if you're looking Absolutely. for it from your, ask your physician or your, your healthcare providers. And um, yeah. anyway, tiny soapbox, but oh shit, what was I talking about? <laughs> God damn it. It's the gray matter. It's long. the gray matter. It's begun. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I was writing notes. What happened? (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay. So like um, if you had to pick like just one to three, like just top, like if you're a new parent, like here is what like or resources like books or whatever, like what, what would those three things be? Would one of them be find your village maybe? Find your village and find the one that works for you, I think is really important and keep looking for it until you find the one that works for you. Go to a new mom's group check it out. Try a couple until you feel like you found the space that works for you and you found the group that works for you. I mean, there's books, right? Always. You could, I have a stack of parenting books. I haven't finished any of them. <laughs> like, it's not happening. Some phase will happen in my children's life and I'm like, I'm going to need to read a book about it. Mm-hmm. As soon as I read it, they're into the next phase. The Wonder Weeks, though, was a great one. It's a book and an app. It's pretty amazing. It talks about infant development, but in a really accessible way for parents, which I think is super important um, and gives you a lot of reasons behind like your children's behavior and what that looks like in infancy, which I think is super, super important. Pregnancy, childbirth, and the newborn super important book. Penny Simpkin, like doula extraordinaire, childbirth educator. She's like, you know, in her 80s now, she's been doing this work forever. Um, I think it's like a quintessential guide for the pregnant person. It's all evidence-based information. It's well-researched. It's presented in a super unbiased way, which I think is really important and gets you kind of through that time in a really great way that isn't like, here's what you should do. It's just like, here's the information. 
you make a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really important that way. There's a great website, Evidence-Based Birth, which is really amazing for healthcare providers, for people in the medical field. I think it's really great for, for pregnant persons. It's, again, all that evidence-based, peer-reviewed information, right, which is, which is what we need. But it's presented in a way that, like, you can read it. I can read it. We can all get the information in a way that helps to inform our decision-making. So we're advocates for our own healthcare, which mm-hmm. I think is just ideal. Right. And it's not Reddit. <laughs> no, right? It's not. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm the biggest fan of like a good pregnancy meme. Like I love them. But like it's just there's a lot of information that can f- give you what you're looking for, but doesn't necessarily mean it's good, healthy information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just to touch one more thing on matrescence, matrescence yeah. yes. um, is that – and check the show notes, guys, for links to all these all these things. You don't have to like furiously write them down. So. <laughs> Make sure you check them. Um, uh, is that it, I loved the, all the pieces about it being so biological, the yeah. biological process of a woman becoming a mom. But I, I'm sure there's another part part of matrescence to being just of, of people becoming parents also, yeah. and how socially and um, economically and how I, you know it, that's not to I don't want anyone listening to take this as that to demean uh, any sort of other process of becoming a parent. No, like, not at all. Right? We just know yeah. that there's that change right. that happens from an anatomical perspective perspective, which isn't, I mean, my husband obviously didn't have any of our babies. He's a completely different person than Mm -hmm. he was before Mm -hmm. he was ever a dad Mm -hmm. in a really cool way. Mm -hmm. You know, here's my husband is this tattooed, like large outdoorsman. He was a Marine, right? He's bald, has this amazing beard, like, and here he is with our two little girls who are like the gentlest of human beings and they're playing guitar and they play the drums and they go out in the woods and hike around and they want to go fishing. And that's the incorporation of his parenthood into their life is just been so cool to watch. So it's not to say that there aren't fundamental changes that will happen with however you arrive at parenthood. Correct. And it will be a fundamental change. We just know mom brain Israel. <laughs> right. Right. And I just I didn't want yeah, I didn't want to demean any any uh, other one listening their experience of becoming a parent. Absolutely. We had I just I think it is important to recognize always yeah. bo- both like you were saying especially that um anatomical biological evolutionary piece of these brain studies it's and so, women. So so crazy. And becoming this becoming a you know how we've done it forever. Yeah. I you always know? tell parents in my class that one time after my youngest was born I left the car keys in the freezer for like 3 days. And I was totally okay with the fact that I had just lost my keys. I was like, I guess we don't need to go anywhere, which is fine because it's really freaking hard to leave the house with two kids. And I was like, it'll be fine. And then one day my husband was like, why are your keys in the freezer? I was like, really don't know, but cool. And if that for me wasn't like the full manifestation of what mom brain is and my loss of gray matter, I don't know what else would be a good example of it. But that, yeah, it's that exact piece of like – what happened to my brain? Well, your baby ate it. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> your baby. Ate it. Moral of the story: Moms are cool. Women are cool. People who become parents are cool. Absolutely. Sarah, you are cool. Oh, thank you, childbirth educators, guys. I hope you got um, good stuff out of today. So, uh, here's your free business plug. Um, if you wanted to learn more about Sarah's Smart Birth Services yeah. business, um, you can check the show notes for links to the Facebook page, her email, maybe her website. Anything you want to say on that necessarily? Um, my website is just like an all over. It's just a work in progress all the time. My oldest just finished kindergarten, and I'm like, ooh, one more year, and I'll both in school, and my website will look right. It will have only taken five years. (laughs) 
But my Facebook page, I post a lot of evidence-based articles for new parents and for pregnant persons. Um, a lot of like what's happening in the Pacific Northwest, what's happening in Portland for new parents, links to new moms groups and new dad groups, which is like my heart. That's been a big transition in my business is focusing on dads and what that looks like for dads and, and how to usher them into that season in a really meaningful way. Because I mean, we're not always doing right by moms, but boy, do we ignore dads. Right. And that's a whole other that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. How how other people arrive at parenthood. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We, uh, we have some good friends who um they thought they were never gonna have kids, didn't really want to have kids, and then they sort of started talking about um uh fostering and, and yeah. adopting and it just sort of like really like escalated for them where like they they talked about it and like a couple months later now they they have this six-year-old at home. oh wow yeah and so for them it's interesting you know talking with them being friends with them and like having our coming into parenthood thing being this like very gradual bi- very gradual yeah, biological experience into parenthood yeah and then now they have a six-year-old at oh home. yeah i mean they're just kind of like well that was interesting you know it's yeah i so. can't imagine just the overwhelming nature of it just in and of itself. I work a lot with like veterans, military families, Mm -hmm. first responders. That's my jam these Mm -hmm. days just Mm -hmm. because my husband's experience with birth was so different given his um, military experience that that has been really kind of where my heart is being drawn these days. And those families, man, they need some help. These especially experiencing trauma are first responders, nurses who have seen trauma and what that then means for their own birth experience. I don't think we acknowledge those pieces and how much of a mental role some of that will kind of replay during your birth and Mm -hmm. during your postpartum. And Mm -hmm. so trying to facilitate some of those things because we're woefully lacking in resources in that way. Right. Tiny soapbox for all the politicians out there who are in charge of Local, state, and regional buses. Help so. them. <laughs> Help us out, man. Parenting's hard. But yeah, moral of the story, check out classes, check out Sarah's stuff. Take uh, a class. Don't be on the internet. Don't turn off your Wi-Fi. <laughs> um, find other new moms and parents and women are amazing. They have amazing bodies. You are meant to birth the human you create. Absolutely. It's going to be amazing. I love my job because they, they send me pictures afterwards, which I'm is gonna so, oh, I can hardly wait. My husband is just always grateful because it staves off me being like third baby. <laughs> 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 we all have our process for that, for that part, part of it. Anyway, thank you so much, Sarah, for being on Welcome. the show. Thanks was, for having me. Great. Yeah. And there you have it. Thank you again to my wonderful guest, Sarah Surstead. You can find links to her birth education business and Facebook group and community in the show notes. Be sure to check it out along with some other links to Sarah's recommended resources for parents and a very cool New York Times article on matrescence, the birth of a mother. Thank you to the sponsor of this special Trending Topics episode, Saplicor's Aegis Neonatal Wrap. Learn more about it, the benefits of postpartum skin-to-skin contact, and how to get one for yourself or the newest mom in your life at saplacor.com. That's S-A-P-L-A-C-O-R.com. Again, remember to use the checkout code HEADTOTOE35, that's all capital letters, H-E-A-D-T-O-T-O-E 35, for 35% off your total purchase. This is the last head to toe episode for a while as my due date is in like seven days (laughs) and I'm ready to meet this little dude on the outside of my body. (laughs) 
The podcast won't be stalled forever, fear not, maybe a couple months, but be sure to follow my social media pages on Facebook and LinkedIn to see me pull out some episodes from the podcast archives. And while I won't be recording for a while, I'm still recruiting your extraordinary healthcare stories and show suggestions. Please do continue emailing me your thoughts and stories at macmillanpages at gmail.com. Continue to rate, review, subscribe to, and share the show on Podbeans, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can still find all of my creative work at mariemcmillan.com. The website is fully updated, so please go check it out. There you can sign up for my newsletter and stay up to date on my tentative book release scheduled for fall of 2019. Tentative. I have a lot of things going on. Okay, that is it, folks. Thanks for listening and being supportive of Head to Toe. High five to all the women out there who are 39 weeks pregnant. I feel you. And until next time, guys, take care. Bye.